Good morning. What? Good morning, Vietnam. Lou, what's up? Where are you now? Are you in Vietnam? I am back in Los Angeles, which I, I would prefer, I think, over Vietnam. Maybe. Just maybe. I don't know. There's some really bad spots over there these days. You got you got lots of you got lots of uh, homeless people on the streets making camp campsites and homes. That's true, but I, uh, you know, I stay away from those areas. I stay away from Compton. One time when we went to Dodger Stadium to see a concert, it was U2, actually, and it was like 1992, because it was when I was 17, my friends and I, there were six of us girls, we went to this concert at Dodger Stadium, and when we left the stadium, we got a little bit lost, and we ended up in Compton, and... That wasn't cute, but it is amazing how close Compton actually is, like across the street. Okay, good morning, everybody. I see this, that you found a new job for Lenny. I see this. He's actually at an appointment right now. That's why you get the pleasure of having myself and Lou here this morning. But I do see the job, and I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> Mattress firm. Hey, I want that job, and I mean, I could probably do podcasts while doing that job, too. I could kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'd probably be better at that job than Lenny. I don't mind sleeping during the day. I like to take naps. Lenny, you know, when he goes to sleep, he likes to sleep through the night. He goes to bed early, gets up at like 4 in the morning. He, he wakes up like a ray of sunshine. He's like excited to start the day. Just, you know, happy as could be. Me, I'm like a fucking monster in the morning. I'm not very nice. And I had to use the expletive because you just don't get the whole picture unless you say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all relatively adults here i think our shows are a little more than pg but they're not rated r so so to speak so i think i think the majority of us uh us in the chat room can handle your f-bomb i don't think it's uh too big a deal before we get into anything here um i figured you were probably gonna ask me about it but i'd like to hear what everyone thinks about the uh home run derby last night i was upset because now i'm happy that bryce harper won at home um, good for him. But I had called every single derby round except for the finals. I had Schwarber winning the whole thing. Oh, come and, on. Um, and as much as I'm happy about Harper, and maybe I'm just one of those sticklers for the rules, but it just seemed like in Harper's round versus maybe Freddie Freeman and then Harper's round versus Schwarber that he kept getting pitches before his balls landed. And that didn't happen for many other people. Okay. That kind of happened last year in Miami for Bohr and Stanton, too. It's kind of annoying to me. But you don't mind it when it happens to a Yankee. Or you do? I mean, I wouldn't mind it as much, but I would get <laughs> why other people would be upset about it. It's funny. There was only one American League hitter. It was Alex Bregman. And I have to admit, I watched the first part of it. Then um, I kind of, like, started to get my ADD kicked in. And so I got kind of bored in the middle. But I definitely watched the end of it. Um, Harper... Of course, you want, if unless you absolutely can't stand the guy, you know, you kind of want to root for him, especially since he's had kind of a slump lately. And I feel like, I mean, maybe this will be the one time that it actually kicks a player into gear rather than, like, ruins the rest of their season. But when Harper had, like, um, a minute left, right, he needed, like, 10 home runs, and he had a minute left. And Mark was like, I don't know. I go, he's going to do it. Just watch. He'll do it. And I was like, what the hell? You need to start hitting him. Like, he was just not. And and his dad was pitching. I, I don't know if you, you just get so anxious, you know, like that last minute. I don't know if it went quickly or if it went super in slow motion. But when the 32nd, he had 29 seconds. He got six home runs in 29 seconds just to tie Schwarber. And, of course, you know, they were tied and he has an extra 30 seconds. But I, I found some tidbits from the home run derby if you want to hear some. 
I'd love to hear some. I just want to say I do agree that it was thrilling towards the end. Love the way it finished. Um, and Harper, unlike any of the other candidates, really, to at least to my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, had these stretches where he hit like eight, oh my seven gosh. or eight home runs in like a minute. In both the semifinals versus Muncie and in the yeah. finals versus Schwarber. It was it was incredibly impressive. And it obviously is very cool when it's like a father-son duo out there too. So of course. Good, good, good for Bryce Harper and good for doing it in front of, in front of the fans. And he yes. gave the fans tons of respect afterwards. So that was cool. So Harper, yeah. I mean, I don't recall ever seeing anything like that. When he got on a roll, when he started hitting them, it was just like one after the other. But, I mean, so anyway, there was 221 homers last night. That was a derby record. So while we're breaking home run records and everything else, we might as well break the record here. The last record was in 2016. It was 203. And then last year, there was only 195. So um, that's so the 221 home runs added up to more than 16 miles worth of home runs. Okay, that's half the distance from Nationals Park to Camden Yards, Baltimore's um, ballpark. And Harper, I already told you that he hit six home runs over the final 29 seconds um, to get 18 homers. But he had three straight with the distances of more than 440 feet. So with 23 seconds remaining, he hit 452 feet with 112 mile an hour exit velocity. With 18 seconds left, he hit 444 feet. And then with eight seconds left, he hit 478 feet. And all three of those were over 100 miles an hour exit velocity. Um, he, he obviously had the most home runs at 440 feet or longer. He had 15 home, he hit 15 of them 440 feet or further right so just kind of to compare those numbers Joey Gallo leads the league in um, 440 foot or further home runs right he only has five for the whole season and the whole Rockies team combined for the teams the Rockies team has the most of, of these home runs that are worth 440 feet or longer they only have 15 total that's what Bryce Harper hit last night just last night so I mean and and Harper actually has had like two all season that have gone that far so he hasn't really been not all season but maybe in his career I mean this just doesn't happen that often of course the pitching is much easier to hit but yeah it's, it's much easier to hit it's tailored to the hitter I mean you can see um, the, the pitching trying to throw it the pitcher trying to throw it on the inner half so he could pull the ball um, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's the easiest, in my opinion, for him, obviously, as a lefty hitter, um, to hit the ball where he was hitting it. So you got to um, give Schwarber credit, though, because he had 14 of them. 14 of his went 440 feet or more. Oh, well, Schwarber's a monster. That's why yeah. I picked him to win it all. I really thought that he was going to win it all. But obviously, uh, good for good for Mr. Harper there. Quick little thing here. I know um, everyone's still in the middle of baseball season. There was a great football podcast last night. If you missed it, go check it out. But tonight... Um, I'm doing a football podcast with a good friend of mine, a guy I've been doing podcasts with for a few years now. Nice guy. Um, we're doing a football podcast tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, we'll lead you in. Think of it as the pregame show to the All-Star Game, everybody, because the All-Star Game starts at 8 Eastern. So come tune in, hang out, and then stay for the All-Star Game. Yeah, last night's podcast was good. I'm not a football fan at all. I did have a couple drafts um, already this year for football, so I'm, I'm a little bit... Um... Um, 
knowledgeable a little bit. Like, I'll never be fully, wholly knowledgeable like I am in baseball, but not that I am in baseball, but I'm more knowledgeable in baseball. Okay. Anyway, um, the football podcast last night was actually um, very interesting, entertaining. Um, They talked about the NFC and the AFC North. All the teams, they went team by team. They talked about the value plays, the breakout candidates for each team, and maybe um, the bust too. But anyway, it's really good. Um, uh, Patrick Crawford and his brother Daniel do it with Bill. Not do it, but do the show with their friend Bill. And it's very, very good. So if you're interested in getting your fantasy football on, go ahead and listen to that. And also, we had Pitches Get Stitches yesterday too. Joel's podcast is uh, becoming much more comfortable and just friendly and fun and not that he wasn't friendly before but I think he's just getting more comfortable and it's coming out with ease you know he was talking all about Wrigley Field I told him to watch out for all the rats in the bathrooms there because Ozzie Guillen told me that anyway I'm writing a great piece on Ozzie Guillen because I absolutely love that guy that'll come out either today or tomorrow so keep an eye out for that Joel um lose podcast tonight with Mike it'll be good now that we got the sound figured out, you know. So, Javi Baez, he did have the longest home run of the night last night. So, even though these other two were just crushing it over and over, he hit 479 feet in the first round, right? I love Javi Baez. You just got to love this guy. Oh, I love I love him. He's my pick right now for NL MVP. And he's, uh, he, if we're talking about, uh, we're talking about our, um, the fancy teams you should have drafted today. He's probably on both our teams. It's probably one guy that is on both our squads. Um, so Javi Baez, uh, I was reading about what Joe Madden was talking about, how Javi Baez doesn't have an analytical bone in his body. And that when he talks to Javi Baez, he's very careful about what he says because he doesn't want him to get like all messed up. He, he says words like, I mean, Joe Madden says words like groovy. And, you know, he, he says that Javi Baez has, is like, um, has a mind of his own, you know, like he's in his own world and he just, he does what he does. He comes to work early. He works really hard. He's not into the analytics and the saber metrics and all of this, but he's really feeling his groove right now. And you got to love it. I mean, you know, I love the relationship that Joe Madden has with his people. So that's, you know, something to be said about that. But so well, what? He's, he's a terrific manager. Not as good as Ozzy Ginn. But close, okay. I'm just kidding. Anyway, Ozzy's my favorite <laughs> I manager. Differ, but we can agree to disagree on that. So the other day, Joel, actually, last when Joel was at Wrigley Field, he texted me saying that he wasn't going to be able to do his podcast that day because he's at Wrigley Field. And that's when I immediately, just like without hesitation, texted back to him that, watch out for the rats in the bathrooms, right? And... And then I was like, oh, my gosh, he probably doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Like, because Ozzie Guillen used to complain constantly about how when you go to Wrigley Field, you have to walk like hella far to go use the restroom. There's rats here. There's rats there, you know, and it made me start thinking about Ozzie Guillen. And that's what I started writing this um, post about Ozzie Guillen and actually has been in the news lately because they just had this celebration um, in Chicago from the 1993 team that he was on that they won World, uh, World Series. Frank Thomas was on that team and whatever. Anyway, um, I, wrote, I started writing about it, and I found, like, all kinds of great media for Ozzy Guillen. And if anything, I mean, if even if you don't like the guy, he's still very entertaining. And some of his sound clips are, I mean, the best ever. Yeah, he has some, he has some serious swag. He's, dude, the guy says exactly how he feels when he feels it, and he does not care. He does not treat his players like little babies. He treats them like family, you know? And, and uh, I, I was, in the article I'm just writing, you know, like, 
when do you th we'll probably have safe spaces in dugouts before we'll have another manager like Ozzie Guillen in baseball, which is really sad because people are so offended so easy and they just they're so fragile and you you know you gotta like you gotta carry them with with white gloves and just everything you know babying the players. It's really to me it's really turned out just a whole generation of just weak baseball players really. Well, speaking of managers, Andrea. Yeah, we're managing. What manager. are your thoughts on? Uh obviously Matheny getting fired. I know you're not a huge Matheny fan. If you follow Andrea on Twitter, you would know that. How? Um, Wait, what? I could have sworn I've seen you like retweet or tweet some things out about about Matheny prior to him being fired. Maybe I'm wrong. I Maybe was... I read it wrong. Maybe it wasn't you. It, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's a good chance that it could be me tweeting out mean things, right? No. <laughs> but I didn't like... <laughs> I, 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 I didn't like Mosaliac coming out and calling out Dexter Fowler. I thought that was really low class. And I didn't like the fact that, I mean, I didn't know all the drama going on in the St. Louis clubhouse, um, you know, and sometimes it's just better to get a fresh start, you know, sometimes even if you're a great manager. I mean, Francona left Boston. It was the best thing that ever happened to him. The Red Sox, I don't even think they started winning after that. He was kind of like the scapegoat. But Matheny's been having issues um, communicating with his peeps in the clubhouse, in the locker room, and it's affecting the Cardinals. Well, so I read something where apparently Bud Norris is, like, bullying Jordan Hicks or something. <laughs> yeah, I saw something about some bullying going on. I didn't get the details on that. No, I didn't. So apparently they didn't like how Matheny handled that. Um, my question is, so is Joe Girardi the next manager in St. Louis? Very, very well could be, but Girardi, I think, likes the um, the uh, broadcaster type thing, and that's what o and Ozzy does that too in Venezuela. He also is managing a um, a minor league team in or a summer league or a fall league or something in the in down down south. But I don't think Girardi's coming back as a manager. It's too stressful. Even though he's a great manager, I'll give you that. He definitely seems to enjoy his cushy job in the MLB uh, network studios. Oh, that's that's for sure. I think that because of this way that Aaron Boone is doing so well, uh, the Phillies manager, who's the Phillies manager? This new um, Kapler. Kapler's doing well. Uh, the other manager. Cora for the Red Sox. Yeah, Cora's doing good. I think that this, you know, Davey Martinez isn't doing too great. So, but... did you see Harper and uh, Martinez hugging? Did you see them? Hugging. I'm not sure I did, actually. Dave Martinez is the uh, Nationals manager, right? He is, yeah. Okay, just making sure, because sometimes I like to get him confused. I think, he, I sometimes I like to say he's a Dodger. I don't know why. Did he used to manage the Dodgers? Maybe. I don't know if he ever managed them. He might have either played with them or maybe been a coach for them. Um, I think he came from the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. So Harper and him had a long embrace yesterday. He even, I mean, he, I think their relationship is okay. But, you know, there's been a little bit of tatter going around that those two, well, Harper not running out doubles and then double plays. And then, you know, you got to do something to him. But anyway, let's move on. So today we're going to talk about... We, Lou and I decided to put together our all-star fantasy team, and this is, there's a couple of rules that we went by, so that it's just not like, you know, you can't have, like, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Aaron Nola, Severino, like, you can't have all these guys. It has to be a legitimate draft. So what we did was we pulled up the ADPs from NFBC, and I pulled them up from Fantasy Pros, and they do, um, 
they average out their ADPs based on like all of the sites, RT Sports, Fantrax, and Yahoo, and ESPN, and all of these. And so we put together rounds of players, and we decided that we would do an all-star fantasy team with what the ADP was in the beginning of the season. So let's start with round one. I know you were tempted to pick Mike Trout, but you didn't pick Mike Trout, and I did pick Mike Trout number one overall. Okay, yeah, so I had Mike Trout in there um, at number one originally, but I switched that to Mookie Betts because my second round pick is Manny Machado, and in theory, there's no way you're going to get Trout and Machado um, in the same draft, but you could definitely get Mookie Betts and Machado in the same draft. So uh, my first two picks are Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. Okay, so you have Machado at what position? Um, I have him at short, even though technically technically this year he was a third baseman at draft time no but no didn't he qualify at shortstop too or not in certain formats he did other ones he didn't but now he's a shortstop for sure so i'm I'm using him there good enough dude and then mookie betts of course is in the outfield i'm keeping trying i'm going to compare our teams at the end and see who's who who would win it's funny that you said something about severino and nola though because i do have them both I do too. Okay, so we got. I'm gonna put Trout, and then my second my second pick in round two is Lindor. Now, I'm a big fan of Lindor, and that's who I have at shortstop. So we got we each got our shortstop out of the way, and we each got a outfielder out of the way. So what's your round three? I have Severino in round three. Mm-hmm. And in round four, I took your friend Andrew Benintendi. Benintendi, okay. I don't have Benintendi, so that's good. Benintendi playing uh, third base or what? What? Where does he play? I don't Benintendi even know. Benintendi is my second outfielder. I outfielder. went with two Red Sox outfielders to start um, in the first what? four rounds. How could you do that? That's not good for you. Well, they have a good outfield. It's yes, not that's my true. Fault. I saw your post the other day on Facebook, and I thought that's nice of Lou. This is this is so nice of Lou. He puts up there that. What what did you put about the Red Sox and how they're winning oh, all these? There's, there's so many Yankee fans on my Facebook that are like, oh, why aren't the Yankees in first place? It's because of Boone or because of this. I was like, no, it's because the Red Sox are a really good team. Like, yes. you take the Yankees and put them in any of the other divisions, they're a first place team. It's not it's not anyone's fault that they're in second place, but the fact that the Red Sox are also really good. Okay, I have Severino in round three, and I have um, in round four Alex Bregman. So I'm going to go ahead and put him at third base. Well, I had Bregman at one point. I I, um, I found a very good third baseman much later on, so that's why I changed that up. Um, but Benintendi is my fourth rounder. In the fifth round, I grabbed your best friend, Aaron Nola. Yep. And what did I do in the sixth round? Let's see here. I think it's all over the place because I have it by, by position. Nola. Uh, the sixth round, I have Nicholas Castellanos in my utility spot. Oh, that's good. So sixth rounder, huh? I I think he. Uh, let's see where he. You know, I thought he was going. I think I went early there. I think I could have probably got him in seventh or eighth round, but I wanted to grab him, and I had other guys I could get, so I took him in the sixth round, even though I probably could have waited till the seventh round. Yeah, I mean, he went. He's looking like he's he went one hundred and sixth overall. So I think that's like the maybe the eight. You might even be able to get away with the eighth round. But let's put him in as your utility. Nicholas Castellanos. Oh, I can't wait to see who you have at third base. 
Okay, and so for me, I don't know why I'm trying to type all this shit out while I do this. Okay, round four, I already said that would be Bregman. And then round five, I have Aaron Nola. Round six, I have Garrett Cole. So I have Garrett Cole as well. I have Garrett Cole in the seventh round. Okay. And in the eighth round, I have Ozzy Albies. Me in my too. Spot, in my utility spot, though. Oh, I got him at second. I have a few second basemen. There's a quite a few second basemen, actually, right, to choose from. I almost actually got rid of Albies because of it. How many, sh you know, I'm not going to ruin the fun, but there are quite a few good second basemen. Oh, there are. And, I mean, some of my picks, like Ben and Tendi, for instance, I could have gone with some other people, but... It helps me across the board. He gets some some steals. Same with Albies, gets some steals type of thing. So I, I don't have any like speed guys specifically here on this team really, but I have a bunch of guys that can get you steals. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So who's your next? Wait. So the last person you told me was was my eighth round pick of Aussie Albies in my second utility spot of my three. And okay, my eighth round pick is. Uh, Trevor Story. I have him at shortstop. Wait, I okay. have Lindor at shortstop. I got to put him at my middle. Your middle, yeah. Okay, okay. so Trevor I Story. Say, I kind of like my team more than yours. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> okay, so that was it. <laughs> what? Um, in the ninth round, I have Javier Baez at second base. Okay, I have Eddie Rosario at outfield. Okay, I like Rosario. Um, tenth round, although I got him later in the league, I have him. I have JT Real Muto in the tenth round. Ooh, you got a catcher really early, but he is the best catcher this year by far. So, to me, there's still value because Posey, Sanchez, and Contreras went so much earlier. So, tenth round for a player of what he's doing, um, I think. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Well, I literally just passed you up, though, because you got JT Romuto and I got Eddie Rosario, and there's no comparison there. I mean, so your team just got passed up as far as, like, who's the better team. But that might just be temporary. I can't help it. You got a catcher in this early round, and that the 10th round? The 10th round, I got Trevor Bauer. My love, Trevor Bauer. For real, I got him in the 10th round. Yeah, well... I have Trevor Bauer right up behind you there in the 11th round. You couldn't have got him in the 11th round. Oh, I to totally could have got and him. And you in couldn't the have got out. Al no, and you couldn't have got Albies in that round either. But okay. In the eighth round. I'll still give you a chance because you're a little. Albies in the eighth. Okay, fine. Well, you know what? You can put uh, no not... Albies in the sixth round for me and Costianos it in the eighth round for me. Well, uh, we can swap those and it makes Wait you feel better. Wait a minute. I took him in. No, no, no. Ozzy Albies, you definitely were fine with. You were good with that one. Ozzy was fine. So, it was Aaron Nola in the fifth round, maybe, or Garrett yes. Cole in the seventh. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. So Bauer in the 11th. And in the 12th round, I took my first closer in Blake Trinan. Oh, see, now my team is extra better than yours because I took Kyle Schwarber in the 11th round. I can't believe you didn't wait on closers because you know you can have Boxberger. Well, you, you, there, there's, a, there's 25 rounds here. There's, there, there's a lot more value to be had. Kyle Schwarber. Let's just take a second and have a good look at this boy here real quick. Kyle Schwarber. It looks like he's going 
uh, 156th overall, right? He's went in the 12th round at draft time. He obviously was going low because of his injury history, but he's got 19 homers, 64 ribbies, 60, uh, wait, no, 64 RBIs, 60 runs. I don't know if I have my runs and my RBIs backwards. I might. And six stolen bases. He's still in bases, too. So, round 12 for him. Who do you got in round 13? Round 13, Eugenio Suarez at third base. Okay, I thought I had him on my team too, but I think I went away from him. Let's, you know, Eugenio Suarez was the first, the, the Phillies were the first team to have two players go over 50 RBIs. And Suarez, Suarez is a red, but yes. Oh, it was the Reds then. It was two Reds that did it. It was, it was him and, was it him and Jeanette? Yes, it was him what and was- Scooter. They both got to 50 RBIs before any other team had two players with 50 RBIs, and which was interesting to me. That's why I tell it to you guys, because I found it interesting. Um, A. Eugenio, and I I mean, talk about under the radar. You might have drafted him even earlier than you had to, but that was round 13 for you. I'm going round 13, Matt Carpenter. Okay. I like I like Matt Carpenter. You uh now the thing is is that did you give up on him in April when no, you drafted him? No way. I would not. I was telling <laughs> everybody, do not give up on this guy. I mean, you know, it, the first thing you got to look at is the batting average on balls in play that early in the season. You just got to look at it. And even if, you know, Matt Carpenter has been kind of iffy and it's not he's not great the whole season but i did not give up on him especially since he qualifies at all three um infield positions that means you know middle and corner too this guy is versatile as could be in 378 at bats he's got 19 homers and (laughs) i like i said my rbis and my runs might be backwards 57 and 43 i'm gonna have to say that 57 is the runs what do you think I feel like 57 could be RBIs for him, but either way, I want to know. Round, yeah, I took uh, Mr. Blake Snell. 57 runs and 43 RBIs. So let me go. You got Blake Snell. I have him on my team too. Let me check to well, see. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, he's been he's one of the better value plays at pitcher right now. I mean, Bauer obviously is a good one. Snell's good. We both have them. I have one. I have two more starters actually at good value as well. Do you think that this did this tell you anything like because you know we talk about how important pitching is and by by all means it is very important and if we could have picked these sleepers at the beginning of the season that's one thing obviously it's hard to do that um, no matter how much you study pitching you know there's still going to be guys that come out of nowhere right but I none of these guys that we own we did not neither of us have took a, a pitcher early we did not take max scherzer well, i took sevy i took sevy in the third round that was my first pitcher right in the third round though dude yeah. how many drafts did you do this season and actually waited till the third round to get your first pitcher zero zero now so i wonder if um that's really kind of telling us anything that maybe just maybe i know that pitchers are not as reliable and that's why it's so important to get like a really good one but the two out of the four, just like I, I mean, the two, the big four, whatever, I mean, two out of four of those are not in, even in the top ten right now. And it's it's just um, something to think about, that you can get pitching late if, you, if you're smart about your pitching. Of course, Blake Snell and, I mean, 
these guys that we're drafting in this league, they're not going to be available next year in the 12th, 13th round. Oh, hell no. I mean, I still took three pitchers in the first seven rounds in Severino, Nola, and Cole. But I also have four other guys um, after round 10. So You know what we should have done is that we should have only been able to draft players on one team. So, like, if we took turns and then we would say, okay, it's your turn. Like, I have Blake Snell, too, in the 15th round, but I have Charlie Morton in the 14th round. I like, I like. So you did 15th round. Where is my 15th rounder? Well, I'm my, just saying Blake Snell because, um, yeah, well, it is the 15th round anyway, so go ahead. Yeah, my 15th rounder was outfielder Mitch Hanniger. Okay, but you know that he was going 237th overall. That's round 20. That, that's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, you're just, okay, fine. Mitch Hanniger <laughs> is a great pick. He's also on my team, round 20. So go ahead. Um, in the 16th round, you're going to laugh because I took another closer. I took my boy Shane Green, who I own in every league. I took Clevenger, Mike Clevenger, 16th round. Okay, 17th round, Patrick Corbin. I took Boxberger in the 17th round. In the 18th round, I have Michael Brantley in the outfield. All right, so I skipped from round 18 to round 20 which was Mitch Hanniger and then I have I mean literally the rest of my guys were I have 19th round that would be Rodney Fernando Rodney 19th round my 19th round pick is Glaber Torres in the middle nice um then so I, I already yeah Kemp Kemp went 278th that's in the 21st round let's do that 21st round Matt Kemp 21st round. Well, I think, did I do, oh, 20th round, I took uh, Keona Kella. So I have my third closer. In 21st round, I took Jesus Aguilar at first base. Well, so I looked for Keone Kela too, because I thought for sure he would be going really late enough. My All my closers are like Fernando Rodney's and Brad Boxberg or whatever. 343rd overall. Um, 343rd overall, Keone Kila. What round is that? Like round 27, 30, round 30? Okay, so you're good on that. And who did you say next? Jesus Aguilar, first base, nice. 21st round. All right. I have Brandon Belt, first base, round 25. I skipped some rounds, so. <laughs> yeah, <apparently> so. Um, <laughs> In the what did I who did I take in the twenty second round? You Let's see, okay. things are all over the place here. Um, oh, in twenty second round, I took outfielder Nick Markakis. Okay. All right. What what were twenty second round? All right. I will take Joaquin Soria. Took him next. Okay. In the twenty third round, corner infielder Eduardo Escobar. All righty, that's a good one. Do you know that Ozzy Guillen found him? Um, I know he was with the White Sox, so oh, that oh. makes sense. I'm going to tell you the story after we're done with this. Okay. But Kurt Suzuki is my next pick. Uh, well, I have two catchers. Both my catchers came late. I have Suzuki and Cervelli. Okay. That's that, that's fair. Um, 23rd round, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm no, on I round did, 40. I did, I did the 23rd round. I don't ask So 24th round, I took Max Muncy as my third utility player. Why do you get three utilities and all this shit? 
why don't you have three utilities? I never even. Oh, I you mean, you took two catchers. That's why. I well, yeah, that's how. Nor- well, that's usually the leagues that I play in. I don't even. I do have a league that has three utilities. In fact, I think it's the ESPN Lenny's Legion leagues that has. I have a couple of three with three u- utilities, but I guess I could take a. I guess I could have a twenty-sixth round and take another catcher or something at some point no 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 it's all good my team is still gonna beat you even though i have two catchers and you only have one i'm still gonna beat you no problem jed lowry's my next pick i like i like mr lowry i had him at one point and you um, took him off but i didn't go with him at the end so i took Muncie 24th round and then my last pick is my last starter eduardo rodriguez 25th round eduardo rodriguez okay that's the pitcher that just got hurt yes Ooh, what about Vincent Velasquez? We're gonna do some. Uh, let's do some. Uh, let's do some mentions, honorable mentions here. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Wilmer Flores. I, I like some honorable mentions. Yeah, let's do some. I'm talking about 400 and stuff, and later these players that um, I'm looking down here at. Um, I don't. Do you have any honorable mentions? Um, Are you? Scor- I do. I do. I mean, T. Oscar Hernandez. Yes, good one. one. Um, Carlos Rodon, Jan Gomes, yep. um, Jock Peterson, Albert Almora. How about Zick, Andrew uh, Heaney? Nick Pavetta or um, Eflin? Miguel Andujar. Yep, that's um, good. Lowry's in there. Lowry, according to my NFBC um, rankings, was 429. Jed Lowry. Yeah. It's unbelievable, right? Mitch Moreland, 434. Yes, that one's good. Kyle uh, Gibson, 441. Okay, and we have uh, Vince Velasquez. You know I'm a fan, 419. Got to put him in there. Uh, I know Walker Bueller was demoted, but he was really good coming into the season, and that, he's 413th overall, so that would have been a good sneaky pick. Candelario, 408th overall. Yeah, Candelario's a good one, too. I was looking at him. What about Fulte, dude? Why doesn't either one of us own Mike Fulte in the Wicks? No I, Wicks. Fulte Navage, I know. We could have had him probably around, like, 28 or 30. This, this is uh, 401, right? Unbelievable. Marco Gonzalez is having a good year. He was 396. So, um, I'm just going to scroll through these just real quick and see if there's any more. But Nick Markakis is way down there, too. He is a good one for your team that you pick. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, told, I, I, actually went, I actually went early on a number of my guys. Yes, I, I know you did. Like uh, Blake Snell, you really picked him rather early. You could have got, I don't know, could have got someone. I took some closers earlier than I probably needed to. Some of the players aren't even on here, like Ed Bray Ramos. I mean, he probably isn't even on here, you know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> some of these players. Uh, Joe Panic before he got injured, was at 392. Not terrible. Um, Tyler Skaggs, all the way at 383. He's had a very good year. Tyler Skaggs is a good one, yep. Ronaldo Lopez, 375. Matt Kemp, 278. That's amazing. Steven Piscotti, 275. He is going to turn into a good player. If he is on the waiver wire and you guys still are just sitting there waiting, you should if he's probably still get him. on the waiver wire, that's craziness. Yeah, I know. Calhoun is doing well, but I don't trust him. Do you? Mm, not really. Oh, CJ Crone, 359th overall. Shinsu Chu, 256. Wow, that's a good one, too. AJ Minter, 365. Nice. Um. 
Michael Brantley. Oh, he's not doing that well. Yeah, Brantley was late. 244. Peraza, 239. My boy, CC Sabathia, 329. Yeah, had a pretty well, good year. Uh, okay. That's Drupal Cabrera, 317. Yeah, he's got a good year for sure, dude. Corey Dickerson, 223. I don't know why he went so late, but obviously this was a trend, so... Um, Sean Newcomb, 303. <laughs> oh, crazy. Okay, Odebell. Josh Hader, even 299. 207 for Odebell Herrera. That's a good one, too. Eric Thames, 200. I own him on a few teams, too. But I do love Clevenger at 198. That was a great one. Oh, yeah. Mark Trumbo, 283. Miles Mikolas, uh, 279. Crazy. Okay, let me tell you the story about Ozzy Guillen finding Eduardo Escobar. Um, so he was, it was back when he was managing the White Sox, and I'm trying to pull open this article that I'm writing because it's in here. I, I just wrote it down yesterday and put in some videos to just, uh, there's some, there's some talking about it. Anyway, Ozzy was at a game watching his son, um, play shortstop, right? Well, he found... He saw Eduardo Escobar. This was 10 years ago, so like 2008. It was in the middle of his managing career for the White Sox. So he was in Tucson, Arizona. Escobar was the backup shortstop to Ozzy's son, Oni Guillen. And Ozzy uh, basically said that this is the best infielder on the team. So why is he the backup? Why is he sitting on the bench? And he Escobar was actually drafted in the 36th round. And kind of like at that point where he was on the verge of getting cut from the team and could have been cut at any day. Like he wasn't that great. He wasn't, he wasn't anything like super exciting for anybody. So... Ozzy found out that he lived, he comes from Venezuela, where Ozzy is also from, and Ozzy didn't grow up, though, in the ghetto, like, tra you know, the poor neighborhoods. He, his family was middle class, but he definitely knows of the place that Escobar did live. He lost, uh, four of Escobar's family members were shot and killed. I mean, he was in a dangerous part of town, so because he knew this, Ozzy called up uh, Kenny Williams and said, um, can you please send this guy to rookie level Pioneer League in uh, Great Falls, Montana? Or, and then could you please send this kid to the Arizona Fall League? And it wasn't really because Ozzy thought he was that great. I mean, he did think he was a great fielder, but he really felt like he was saving this guy's life because he said, this is in quotes, I told Kenny Williams, hey, Kenny, can we send this kid to Arizona? Kenny said, okay, why? Venezuela? And he said, oh, no, if you send this kid to Arizona, you're going to save his life. If he has to go back to Venezuela, where this kid comes from, it's very dangerous. I said, Kenny, you come from Oakland. I come from Caracas. You have to believe me when I tell you, if this kid goes back home, it's not going to be good for anyone. I told him if he goes back there, he's not going to play baseball. He's not going to do anything. He's not good enough to play in the winter league, and he'll be hanging around on the streets. And it could be dangerous. So Kenny uh, let him go, and then he played in the Arizona Fall League, and he was... Uh, that's that's when his career started and Ozzy and him were they you know built a, a, obviously a real good friendship and Lenny uh, Lenny's son Ozzy's son <laughs> also became good friends with him and now look at him I mean this guy has the most doubles in baseball um he's got he he is just he's on fire I drafted him in the last round of my worst team of the season like my my all dud list of <laughs> my all dud team that has Eduardo Escobar was my best pick of the draft, round 27. Yeah, the one league where I owned him was AL only. I got him for two bucks in the auction. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And it was purely just because I had to fill 
a spot on my roster that he could take up. It wasn't like, oh, I wasn't like on him, like, oh, he's going to have a great year. It was just like, okay, this guy's going to be starting with Snow, uh, sorry, with uh, Polanco suspended. This guy's going to be a starting shortstop. Um, I want a guy that's going to be playing every day. I thought the Twins would be a good team. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take a shot. I had no idea he'd be one of the better um, extra base hitters in the league or anything like that. I can't say that I knew what was going to happen. No, I mean, but we did see some, we saw some flashes of this last year. So it's not, it's not that crazy. It's a little, it's pretty crazy, but it's not that crazy, right? I mean, there's certainly crazier things like Max Muncy, I was, for instance. I was just going to say Max Muncy, dude. I don't believe him. I do not believe him. I do not think that he's that great. I th- I would trade him if well, I even... I've seen a lot of people posting about who, you know, this is the time where people start posting about who's going to pick it up in the second half, who's going to kind of fall off in the second half. And a lot of people have Max Muncy falling off in the second half. I'm not really sure why, though. I mean, you kind of look um, great on base percentage, for him, um, very level swing for the most part. I mean, he yeah, he came out of nowhere, but I mean, if you actually watch him play, and uh, I mean, I don't get to as much as I would like because they black out so many games here in LA. But what I have seen of him, I mean, he looks like a real good hitter. Uh, I just don't like all the years that he spent in the minor leagues without being able to come up. But, okay, I'll give him a chance. I totally will. I don't own him anywhere. So I mean, if he was like 30 or 31, I'd say sure. But yeah. some guys are just late bloomers. I mean, a guy like Mark Trumbo, for instance, I don't think got to the majors till he was 26 years old. Um, Muncy's 27, so not too far off there. Some guys just take a lot longer to develop. But I believe he was – fairly highly touted at one point when he was in the A's organization. I'm back in the chat room now. I'm checking in on on this, okay? Checking in. I wanted to I wanted to talk about one thing that was posted in our Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports group. You know, people um they post questions in there about trades and stuff like that, and one guy, Kevin, 14 hours ago said, "I just traded McCullers for Strasburg." Um I have to say I was quite surprised at the immediate responses that he got, which were stuff like, you really messed up, um, like... I disagree. I think that's a great move. If I have Lance McCullers, I'm trying to trade him right now. He always wears down in the second half, and Strasburg will come back, and when he comes back, it'll be great. I actually like that trade a lot. So one guy says... Um, at least Strasburg has already spent his time on the DL. Lance is yet to come. And I couldn't even agree more. I was like, that's my thoughts exactly. But then I started reading reading deeper into this. And I see this comment that even if Strasburg does stay healthy, which he's never shown that he can, McCullers is younger and has more upside. And I was like, okay, where do I tear up that? Where do I even start tearing that response up because number one McCullers never even made it close to 200 innings I remember having this argument last year about Lance McCullers and how I'm not going to trust him until he gets at least 150 160 innings in one season and he can't even do that I think the most he's ever pitched is like 125 yeah, he, he fades he always fades and then um, the fact that he has more upside than Strasburg. I mean, Strasburg was like, when he came up in his hate. I don't hate, know if anyone has more upside than Steven Strasburg, I mean, to be honest. Okay, maybe he didn't live up to, like, all the hype, but he still has much more. I mean, I can't even. There isn't a, there is not a, 
sentence or a fact that you could use to convince me that Lance McCullers has higher upside than Steven no, Strasburg. The only person in Major League Baseball that might have more upside than Steven Strasburg is Noah Syndergaard to me. That's it. Syndergaard? Well, I From think... From an upside standpoint, I think he's the only guy outside of Steven Strasburg, or he might have more upside than Strasburg. But other than that, I think when, when, when Strasburg is pitching, he is elite. I think Bauer has more upside. Yeah, Bauer's pretty <laughs> incredible. Bauer is just, I know, I know you guys are going to say Bauer's not the best pitcher in baseball, but he is. He is. He just is. He gives up the least. He's certainly up there. He's certainly up there. And, you know, it's funny because every level he was at, including when he was with the Indians for a while, they were trying to, to tell him how to pitch. Oh, and yeah. Once they finally let him pitch how he wants to pitch, we saw him become elite. First, he started out in Arizona, and he had... They almost ruined him well, in Arizona. I don't know if anything can ruin him. He's that. He's really pretty... He's really tough. I mean, he's just got such a great... He doesn't care. Like, the, the way that he did his workouts, people would come, and they, I'm sure they still do come, and it's not as exciting as it used to be to watch Trevor Bauer do his warm-up, but he has this big, long stick. It looks like... I don't know. It's a long stick, like... I don't know... I, I don't even know what to call it or what you can compare it to. Maybe like whatever it is, it helps warm up his shoulder and everybody teased him about it. They didn't like it. Arizona couldn't wait to get rid of him. They sent him to, I think they sent him to Cleveland. I don't know. Maybe he hit somewhere else along the way, but. No, he, he went, he went directly to Cleveland. I don't remember what the trade was, but he went directly there. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Cleveland got him for relatively cheap because Arizona didn't even know what to do with this guy. And uh, when he got to Cleveland, of course, I'm telling you, this is where a guy like Francona comes in because Francona is going to let you do your thing. He's going to appreciate who you are and what you do, and he's not going to try to make you change it. Bauer has pitches that nobody's ever even heard of, and that's true. It's very true, and I mean, he might have one of the best, or I should say the most dominant or hardest to hit breaking balls in, in baseball right now, too. The movement is is seriously it's just but you know it's not just the movement though it's the command of it too i think he's finally turned and this is why he's got his command down finally he's turned a corner big time this year he's been trying to turn this corner for a while you know that i mean in the last week we've learned a lot about him he did an hour-long interview with jeff Passan at yahoo um and he talked about how he'll never sign longer than a one-year deal ever and if he does, his friend gets to uh, use a paint gun and shoot him in the balls from 10 feet away. If he signs longer than one year contract with any team. And so then that kind of started uh, the comments going on Twitter and all around, you know, everybody's commenting saying that's just ridiculous and stupid. I mean, how can you not take a multiple year? I mean, most players obviously are out looking for security. Trevor Bauer does make sense. Eno Siris wrote about it because he was that intrigued by what Bauer had said. He wrote about it at The Athletic and talked about all the reasons why it actually might not be a stupid idea. Bauer says this, I'll always get to play for a contending team. They're, they're going to pay me. I've already made $30 million. He says he's already made $30 million. He's got 29 rental properties. He's got all these things going on business-wise. He's, he's not concerned about the money, but he does believe that he will get better pay per year per annual salary and he'll always be able to play for a contending team because they're going to want to they're they would rather teams would rather pay more for one year than be you know stuck with a guy for the next six years 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to make more money, but he'll make as much money. But I think the playing on a contending team makes a lot of sense because um, the contending teams are going to be the one that are willing to dish out the dough for him, whether it be for the one year or not. Um, I mean, he could continue to stay with Cleveland on a one-year basis moving forward, but he could also go elsewhere. He could end up playing on, you know, four or five different teams in his career now past this time with the Indians because of that one-year deals actually make um, a lot of sense in this day and age, especially if playing on a contender is what's important to you. And for some some players, it's not. Some players are just going to take the best deal wherever they can get it, and other players are going to go after um, trying to win a championship. Yeah, so Eno Saris broke it down, broke the whole thing down into, talked about this, like, basically um, just used examples of short-term contracts. Like, the last... The two that are the most current that I remember him talking about were you, Darvish, and Arietta. These guys both signed short contracts. I can't remember if that was because it was getting close to this, you know, spring training and they needed a job at that point, but they both signed really short contracts and it didn't, it's not working out for either one of them because look how bad they're both. I mean, you, Darvish, where is he? Is he at, out with Cespedes at the fucking barbecue? <laughs> he must be. I mean, Arietta's had some great starts. He's had some poor starts. I don't think that one has worked out as poorly at this point. I also think there are some opt-outs for both him and the Phillies. But with Darvish, I don't remember what is in the contract with regards to possible opt-outs, if there are any. But, I mean, even if, if he was getting paid $5 million or if he's getting paid $25 million a year, he's been a bust because he's barely pitched. And when he has pitched, he's been awful. I just looked up Trevor Bauer at The Athletic. I don't know if you have a subscription to The Athletic, but they have I, literally the best writers. They're the, the top-notch writers from all around, and they all have gone to The Athletic. And let me tell you, there's some great articles there. Long, good, interesting, really personal articles. Very good. Trevor Bauer, though, I type his name in, into the search bar at The Athletic, and I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Just in the last week, there's been about 10 articles on Bauer. Eight articles on Bauer. Should be an all-star. Barreling. Do you know what a barrel is? Um, I, I, I'm still waiting to understand exactly what the barrel is because obviously you expect um, you, Us to the know. obvious answer, but well, <laughs> I don't actually know what the real answer is. Well, you can think of it like the sweet spot in a golf club. Like the, What it is is that it has to be hit at a certain launch angle right between certain degrees 26 and 28 or something degrees and it has to be over a certain miles per hour hard hit rate so both of those two things combined can give you a barrel and the harder you hit it the bigger the range goes for your um launch angle so if you hit it super hard you can have your launch angle go down a little bit and it will still go out of the park it's still a barrel because it's still going to hit this you know what i mean the harder you hit it, the bigger the range of launch angle that you're allowed to have and still get a barrel. Hmm, okay. It's basically the perfect launch angle along with the perfect hard hit rate, kind of like with what Bryce Harper was doing last night, barreling, barrels. I just learned it too, by, by the way. I just learned it the other day, about a week ago. So I'm looking at Trevor Bauer, by the way, like month by month, and... April, very strong month, under two and a half ERA. May went all the way up to 2.81. Not, not, I'm not complaining. But since the end of May, 
Um, he's probably been the best pitcher in baseball, 2.18 in June, a 1.19 in July. In the last 30 days, 1.27 ERA, 54 Ks and 42 innings, 203 batting average against. I mean, you can make the argument he's getting stronger as the season goes on. Are you kidding me? I'm so glad you looked at it because most people will just be like, she's full of shit. She just likes Trevor Bauer. She has a big fat crush on him. I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't find him hot or anything like that. I just, I find his st- style very good. I find, I think that he's a leader and he's an example for what every athlete should be, that you're just never happy with what you are. You always want to get better. You always want to be better. And until you, he says until he wins three Cy Youngs, then he will still feel like there's room to grow. And probably even after that. But look at his K per nine, his his walks. I mean, his walks are a little high. That's, you know, that's the command that we're talking about. But his home runs are unbelievably low. And this is even when he's... He actually, Andy, he actually has given up... Um, he gave up three home runs in April. He's given up three home runs total since April. Yeah, and his batting average on balls in play is over 300. Left on base is only 76.9%. I mean, you got guys like Chris Sale that are stranding 82%, 85%, 86% of runners when only 76% of runners are stranded. So they're still scoring on him, and he still has this amazing, amazing. Uh, anyway, he beats everybody. He was tied with Chris Sale for the highest war, but now he's, now he's, he's got it locked down on his own. He's also, he has 175 Ks and 136 innings. I'm surprised he only has eight wins and he has six losses. I would imagine that the bullpen's probably hurt him in the wins column. Is the bullpen um, no I good? With those losses, it probably came against, uh, you know, good opposing pitchers who matched him pitch for pitch. Oh, God. Because there... you look at his, you look at the overall numbers when you don't look at wins and losses, and you think this guy's probably, you know, like 12 and 4, 12 and 3 on the season, but he's only 8 and 6. The other day, he pitched eight innings. He went into the eighth inning. It was like seven and two thirds innings. And they pulled Cody him out. Hey, and he gave up six yeah, runs. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had eight shutout innings, like 12 strikeouts or something. About, one wall, like I two mean, hits, something like that. And then Cody Allen came in and gave up enough runs for three games worth for a closer. Bauer is a perfect example of why wins are sucky and why they're just not a good. They're just not. A, they're not a good category. They're just not. We already know. And ERA, forget it. Forget ERA. Forget wins. Let's just go to. I mean, even a quality start is so stupidly ridiculous that you can get like four earned. I mean, nobody even pitches six innings anymore. So good luck getting a quality start, okay? And then, I mean, we could definitely replace ERA with FIP or XFIP. Either one of those would do be fine by me. But wins, it sucks. It sucks for pitchers like Jake Degrom. It sucks for pitchers like. I mean, a lot of pitchers that are just on shitty teams or they have no good bullpen or they have no run support for whatever reason, but it doesn't mean... In fact, these guys that are on shitty teams like Jake DeGrom, they deserve more credit for going out there and holding themselves together and having mound presence and still pitching well when every single day they go out there and pitch, do their part, and they get shafted. You're right. I I want to pump up Trevor Bauer even more for you. So you know how many pitchers have very like um different home and road splits they're either really good at home really good on the road mm-hmm. type of thing so he has pitched just one more inning at home this year mm-hmm. 
he had the same amount of wins home and away 2.23 home era 2.26 road era so he is just awesome everywhere it doesn't matter where he's pitching who he's pitching against he is dominant here's another tidbit before the game same amount of earned runs as well he listens to his he listens to his headphones when he's warming up and sometimes he plays crowd noise really loud in his ear so that he gets used to the crowd noise before the game starts and he also has a spot in every field every ballpark that he goes to every ballpark they play in he has one spot that he looks at that's like um it's a you know it's a spot that doesn't change it could be a pole or a bench or the dugout or whatever it is it's just one spot that he uses and whenever he feels like he's starting to lose control on the mound then he just he just stares at that one spot that he's picked out and it helps him to like get his focus back and put himself back together and continue on just these little things that he does they're like to you and me they might be weird but i will tell you he's just ahead of his time he's ahead of his time this guy Plus, he's super hella smart when it comes to, like, math and uh, spin rates and all that stuff. He's he's literally hella smart. Yeah, that, that, that you, you mentioned that. So he's also surprisingly better versus left-handed hitters than he is versus right-handed hitters. And he's not bad versus righties, obviously, but he actually dominates lefties more than he does righties as a right-handed pitcher. I couldn't I mean I'm so glad that you're willing to to go ahead and just I'm I'm sure we lost half the chat room at least but whatever I still can talk about Trevor Bauer all day long you should check out his website uh, baueroutage.com he's got videos up there he talks about injuries he talks about how everybody should have their own re- workout regimen everything should be personalized it shouldn't be like this one for all and all for one type of thing workout routine and he also says warm up to throw don't throw to warm up like a lot of pitchers go out there and they actually throw the ball when they warm up in the bullpen you know when they're getting ready to go out and pitch they get up and they warm up they're throwing he says that you should never do that you should warm up and then to throw but by warming up you're not you don't throw to warm up you warm up to throw and i will say knock on wood it's kept him away from tommy john surgery and it's kept him away from any major injuries so far and he just you know whatever it's exciting I'm excited for him. I haven't been this excited about a pitcher since Jose Fernandez. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, God willing, he doesn't suffer that uh, that fate. But yeah, your 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 two your two pitching crushes, Nola and Bauer, are both Cy Young candidates. Um, they they both been incredible this year. And if you if you own both of them on the same team, for instance, you're probably in very good shape right now. I don't even own Bauer on one single team. Yeah, I don't think I own Bauer anywhere either. I own Nola, I own Savvy, I own Cole, I yep. own Snell, I own <laughs> Corbin, I own Erod, all those other guys that I, I brought up in my uh, fantasy all-star team, but I do not own Trevor Bauer. I was trying to get him around like 13, 14 range, and he kept getting sniped from me a round or two too early. Did you see John Gray came back? I did not see that, but I mean, I I, I don't know what to make of John Gray. Let I, me tell I'm not you. sure. I'm not sure if he can turn it on in the second half. I'm not sure if he just needs a change of scenery out of Colorado because the stuff is there. So he got sent down for like, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks. It was enough for me to say, I got to give up on this guy now. I mean, when the guy gets sent down to the minors, it's time to give up and redraft leagues, right? I mean, I own him in a dynasty league, so obviously I wasn't going to cut him. But I was like, what the hell? I wasn't even close to being ready to giving up on him because the start that he did like right before he got sent down was not a bad start. So all of a sudden now John Gray's in the minors and didn't just the other day, a couple days ago, 
I look, I'm starting to look at the box scores and I see John Gray's pitch and I'm like, what the hell? John Gray is back. It was a surprise to everybody. Nobody was like, oh, John Gray is going to get called back up to start this day. It was like, what the hell out of the blue? I really believe they're, they have to be showcasing this guy. I definitely think that if John Gray is still out there available, you need to go act on it immediately because, I mean, upside, ceiling, you know, there is a high one. I, I know he's pitched horribly and he might not pitch but well the rest of the season, but there's a good chance that he does pitch well and there's a good chance that he gets traded and any team would be better than the Colorado Rockies because obviously it's not that great. He never pitched that bad at home, but he, he has had such a horrible start to the season. When he went down to the minors, he pitched well. So, hopefully, he's, like, maybe trying to get out of there, too. I wouldn't pick him back up on every team that I could find him. So, I just think that, you know, you got to take chances at this point in the season. And and if John Gray's available because they – I mean, everybody gave up on him, right? You We all had to give up on him in redraft leagues when he got sent – I mean, I personally don't own him, but if I did – once he got sent down, I probably would have given up on him, or I probably would have had someone try and buy low at this point and probably just unloaded him for whatever I could get. I asked Paul Sporer a couple years ago, uh, headed into last season, I was like, what do you think of John Gray? Because Paul Sporer is probably the smartest guy I know as far as pitchers are concerned. He's really smart when it comes to pitchers, and he, he agreed with me. He said that a lot of people are going to probably downgrade him because he pitches in Colorado, but this guy has amazing stuff. I mean, he's talented. So, I mean, I, not just because Paul Sporer said it, but, you know, I do think that there's hope for this kid still, definitely. And on that note, we're going to let you go back to work because, you know, don't yes, want you to get fired like Lenny. Work, but um, Lenny got fired. Will, I, are there any shows this afternoon? Tonight is your show. Yes, tonight is my show, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're talking the NFC and AFC East divisions. I don't know. Unless uh, Cha Cha gets on there, he seems to be kicking around these past couple of days. I think he's. Are you fiending to do a podcast, Cha Cha? It's your turn, you know. It's your turn. Yeah, come, come on, entertain us for 10, oh. 15, 20, 20 minutes. And um, Steve Bateman, Cardinal first baseman. I don't know if he's in the chat room right this minute because I have fan graphs up. But he, we posted an article from him yesterday. And we also have a whole feed of articles from the sports crew. That's Lou's site. And they're very consistent about putting out articles. So I think that the most current ones are about baseball. I don't even think I have the football ones up going well, coming through. You, should, you definitely look into that because football – positional rankings are coming out this week all right come out this week and we'll be doing shows about those rankings obviously as well yeah i'm getting excited because we're going to have lots of shows and we're going to have lots of stuff going on more football than we normally have but of course always baseball so lenny will be back tomorrow and who the hell knows what he'll talk about but <laughs> the all-star game is tonight right the all-star game is is tonight i'm sure he'll have something to say on that but i'm sure he'll have something to say on possible i don't anything else for that matter i don't think he ever runs out of things to talk about no he'll be up at four in the morning looking at everything so you got that going and will everybody have a great day talk soon lou say goodbye goodbye everybody tune in 7 p.m <laughs> eastern tonight if you want to listen to some football talk and get ready for the all-star game first and goal 7 p.m be there <laughs>